You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you right across Australia from Hobart and also today from Launceston with David Maxwell. Welcome, David. Hi, Jason. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. Now, we're going to be continuing your topic this morning. The uh, The program that you run is Amazing Love and mm. I've been really enjoying your stories, David, so we'll... we'll hear a couple more stories of yours today as well so i look mm. forward to those each week um before we uh, get into today's into today's uh, program which is titled which path and we're going on in the study of psalm 23 mm. um i'll just uh, let our listeners know about our show number that is a text mobile number that you can text in it's zero four double eight double eight zero. 891. You can send us questions, you can respond to our offers and um, yeah, just feel free to text us in any time um, and just let you know that uh, you might be listening to this as a back episode, you know you, you might be uh, listening off the Faith FM website or the Faith FM app you can still text us in with those offers as well or even just text us in with questions anytime we'll be monitoring that uh, as we go throughout uh, the weeks uh, in, the, in the time coming up in the future so please don't hesitate to text us in now uh david to kick us off um i think you've got another little story which uh, i'm looking forward to flying free part three yes thanks jason i've mentioned in the last couple of weeks the experiences i had as an aircraft engineer and not having a pilot's license but getting an opportunity to have a bit of hands-on flying myself The last one of those I wanted to share was when I was completely out of working um, on on aircraft as a maintenance engineer, I was doing a a role that's called uh, Adventist Aviation. And so we were a group of people that were interested in going to country towns and just helping local churches there. And one of the flights, we went from Perth to Albany. It's about a... Oh, probably about a 40-minute flight, 30, 30 to 40-minute flight. And the pilot and I got to know each other quite well, and he had a bit to do that day, and he offered for me to fly the plane down to Albany. And I, it was it was a real privilege. It was a little pipe of Cherokee, and it was a wonderful little plane. Uh, I, I enjoy the small planes, and I wouldn't have known where we're going or what we're doing except I did know how to keep a plane fairly level and uh, and keep it flying. And so, he said to me simply, can you see that number on the GPS? And I said, yes. He says, well, just, just keep us pretty much on that course and you'll be fine. Wow. So as we uh, neared, neared the airport uh, down in Albany, I felt I, I had done it fairly well and I'd flown fairly straight and level. And then he took over and he landed. He, he wanted me to land and I thought, no, no, that's what he gets paid the big bucks for. He can land. <laughs> it's the hardest part, isn't it, of, of flying? He's yeah, landing, for a fixed wing. Yeah. I think so, mm. yes, yes. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you again for your your story. Um, we'll get into our study now, but uh, I guess we'll start with a prayer again this morning. Yeah, yeah. Just just before I do that, what I thought what was interesting in to draw these three stories together was that we all need a point of reference. You know, yeah. in the first one, I talked about the aerobatics. 
in the PC-9 trainer, uh, there was someone else was in control during those aerobatics. In the helicopter, I had the horizon to look at, and that was my point of reference, something firm that you could trust. Yeah. And in the Piper Cherokee, it was the GPS. The GPS. And, you yeah. know, some... Sometimes when people, turn, you know, when our life gets turned upside down, it's good to have someone as a point of reference that can that you can rely on. Yeah. And uh, you need to have that firm point of reference like a horizon, that thing that doesn't move to, to help you be able to um, fix your eyes on something that's not moving so that you can actually get yourself right. And... With the GPS example, we need something that we can rely on that will actually take us to our destination. And I'm going to speak a little bit more on that today. Yeah, that's good. Um, In this series, we've been looking at God's amazing love in Psalms 23. You know, we've looked at how the Good Shepherd provides what we need, not necessarily what we want. We've looked at how God restores our whole being, our whole person, our soul. And that's his desire is to make us back to who we want to be and today we're going to dig a bit deeper into the theme of God's amazing love as King David shares how God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake and that's quite interesting and we'll dig a bit more into that. I'm going to close this first section of Psalms 23 as I, as I read it. it is, it's in two clear sections because the first section actually focuses on Jesus' attributes as our good shepherd. And in the next two presentations, we're going to look at some of his indirect attributes mentioned in the last half of the chapter. So um, maybe just before I pray, would you like to read the uh, first three verses just to remind people what we're looking at there? Yeah, sure. So this is covering what we've uh, studied so far. So Psalm 23, and I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Mm, That's great. Thanks, Jason. Let me pray for you. Sure. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we have your word. You do lead us, you provide for us. And as we look at this topic this morning, please speak to each person we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. So in 2009, Jason, I went on a, a hike. I actually had to plan this hike. It was quite a challenge. And it was in Western Australia uh, in the between the two capes, Cape Naturalist and Cape uh, Augusta. I think that's the two capes. And it's uh, quite a long hike. It's about 136 kilometres total. And I did it with, or did it for, uh, a number of young people aged between 10 and 16, and we had a number of adults helping us as well. Total group was about 35 people, and it was just a fabulous hike, an absolute fabulous hike. You know, we went through some of the most amazing areas of Western Australia as you walk along the coast, and you're walking up and down on these hills, and you're, you're, you're Looking out to your left as we were going south to north from Cape Naturalist to Cape Augusta, or the other way around, sorry, Cape um, Augusta to Cape Naturalist. And on the left-hand side, as we walk up the coast on these tracks, we have the ocean down below the cliffs. Uh, We have sand dunes we had to hike down. We had 
just a beautiful scenery on the left-hand side as we go along. Sometimes as we're walking along, uh, there are even rain squalls coming along beside us as we put our raincoats on and it misses us, goes completely beside us along in the ocean as you watch the rain hitting the ocean and then cuts across the track ahead of us. Just incredible scenery as we hiked. We get to some of the paths, and although they were reasonably clear, there was a point where if we didn't have our GPS, we wouldn't have known which track to go on. And it was really important that we had that GPS, that global positioning system, that handheld GPS, so we stayed on the right track and didn't get lost. And I found, I found that was one of the most important things in the hike, because I was talking about the flying and the, the point of reference. Well, this too, you needed that point of reference so that although it was strenuous, although it was hard to follow, there were times when we weren't really sure which was the right track. We could look at the GPS and we could say, no, this is where we need to go. Um, and we just trust and follow that GPS. Mm, yeah. It's, um, it reminds me of uh, a short uh, walk. And I'm, I'm not a, uh, a big bushwalker or, or a hiker, but um, I've done the, uh, the pipe organ track or the zigzag track up the Mount Wellington in Hobart. Right. And uh, there's a fairly steep climb up there, and uh, yeah, it's always good to to have somebody to follow as you know as they're finding their path and choosing the rocks to step on and all that sort of thing. So mm. um, yeah, that can be can be challenging. Though that that particular walk, it uh, by the time you get to the top, it's uh, you, you definitely realise you've um, you've, you've hiked. Pro- probably hiked up about. I don't know, maybe about six hundred meters, you know, up yeah. the up the side of the mountain. It's a yeah, it's a good yeah. walk, but yeah, yeah, it is. It's really good doing hikes like that. But you know, having that direction in our physical walk is very similar to having our direction that we need in our spiritual walk or our daily walk yeah. in life itself. And we're going to talk a bit more about that soon. Yeah, good. Well, we'll go to a break shortly. Now uh, we will have an offer coming up later in the program. Uh, Today it's a book called Planet Still in Rebellion and we will uh, give you more details about that as we go through. Uh, But remember the number to get that offer today, 0488-880-891. We're going to go to a break now and have a listen to this uh, version of Psalm 23 by Holly Starr. My shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yes, he restores my
Welcome back. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And today we're speaking with David Maxwell and uh, continuing our study on Psalm 23. And this morning we are covering the last part of verse 3, which talks about he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So, David, um, I seem to have lost... Here we go. I've got David back again. Sorry, I thought I'd lost him. You there, David? I'm still here. There you go. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, look, that's really good. Thanks, Jason. I heard that uh, introduction to this section. Again, this week, we're continuing our thoughts from the first part of verse 3. So the he here in who, who is leading me is the good shepherd. It's God, of course. And as we look at this particular verse, uh, he leads me paths, that's ways, tracks, or courses of action, that's what that word means, courses of action of righteousness or justice or truth for the sake, that is, in order to, with reference to, or on account of his name. That's, that's a lot to think about. But we'll break this down into sections and look at each part to, to hopefully give a little more understanding of what it's talking about here. So the first part I wanted to expand on was paths. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. The word path here is magal in the, 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 in the Hebrew, and it means path, track, rut, way or course of action. It's like a well-worn track or a repeated action that someone's done before you. That's that's the meaning of it. So to give you a bit of an example of that, while we were doing that hike I talked about earlier, the, 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 the hardest part of the hike was when we were hiking in sand. So the longest part of that was about six kilometres. It's very difficult to hike in sand and you might not think so if you go to the beach it's easy to run along the beach but if you put a 20 kilo pack on your back and, it's and the sand's not a bit so soft easy. that's right yeah. and so that all that weight presses you down in the sand mm. the way you do it effectively in a large group one person it's tough going but when you do it in a group the person at the front stays in the front for a couple of kilometres um, or maybe even only 500 metres, depending on who's, who's leading the group and how, um, how much energy they have and how much strength. So they'll walk at the front for a period and the people behind will walk directly behind them. Mm. And over, you know, two or three people, you start to wear a track in the beach and so the sand becomes firmer under their feet so the the people further down um, the the group that are following it's quite easy and then after about 500 meters if that's enough that person at the front steps aside and the people behind go forward and then they step in at the back so that they have it a little bit easier and then the second person will be the one taking the steps and leading out that actually becomes much easier for the entire group because everyone gets a chance at leading and everyone gets a chance at walking in the footsteps. Mm. And it's really, really important to walk in those footsteps because as you do that, the hardened sand actually makes it easier to walk. And it's a great illustration for when someone goes before us in, in life, you know, when they, they lead the way, like I had a brother who joined the Air Force ahead of me, and I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So I could follow in his footsteps, as it were. Is is that something you've experienced, Jason? 
Not exactly that, but um, I've certainly experienced some things where I, I remember when I was younger, I used to like uh, skipping rocks down like uh, creeks or rivers that were low, you know, the water level's low and it exposes all the rocks. And mm. uh, I remember doing this with a friend and it, it's always useful to follow someone else to see how they are going to choose to, you know, skip from one rock to the other and, and uh, it gives you a path to follow. So mm. yeah, I, I guess that's probably the most similar thing um, in in my life. I, I haven't uh, experienced sort of hiking in groups like that along on yeah. the sand. But yeah. yeah, well, you're right. Look, anything you do, if someone's done it before you, mm. uh, they can actually give you instruction on how to do it well. Yeah, and and that's the that's inferred in the Hebrew meaning of this path. It's a path. It's something that someone's done before you, and it's this is not just any path. Remember, we're talking about a path. Of righteousness, mm. and so if if we have a part, path of righteousness, someone has to have walked that path of righteousness before us. Mm. And you'll know, you know, Jesus is the one who's gone before us. Mm. And not only Jesus, we have, many others have walked the path as well. So this path of righteousness for us today is a clear, well-worn track, if you like. It's a well-worn path. Yeah. And we can follow in Jesus' footprints. We can follow in his shoes. He's, he's trod this earth. He knows what we're going through. You know, and that's a really important thing because things can get pretty tough. Things can get pretty tough, you know. But it's not just any path God leads us on. It's, it's a path of righteousness. I wanted to share something from uh, a neurologist about pathways in our mind or neurological pathways. Let me read this. The neural pathways create patterns of thought. Once these pathways are created, the thoughts are likely to be repeated. This is because the repetition of a thought decreases the biochemical resistance to that thought happening again and the connections between two brain cells on the neural pathway become stronger. Now, to help me illustrate this, imagine you're taking a walk through a forest, a dense forest. So let's say you're in Queensland and you take a, uh, a bush walk through a rainforest. Um, if you get into that lantana, you can get really hung up and it's really tough. You have to have a machete and cut your way through mm. the first time you go. But if you go on that same path again a second time, well, you've already cut your way through and it still might be a bit hard, but it's easier than the first time. Mm. As you continue walking through it every time, it becomes less and less resistive to your walk and eventually it becomes a large track and you can, you can find your way through it. Ultimately, it becomes a, a large road and it's the same for your brain. And this is a fascinating thought that the more I focus on particular thoughts, the easier it is to think them again. That's what that neurologist is saying as he's, as he's saying that the neural pathways become stronger between your brain cells when you keep thinking those things. The mm. resistance, the, um, what, did he, what did he say? The biochemical resistance to that thought happening again becomes easier. The, mm. the resistance becomes less yeah. and the, the strength of that neural pathway is stronger each time you think it. So, the, you know, when you're thinking about <clears throat> things frequently, when you're thinking about doing certain actions, you know, you obviously have to think with your mind 
to do something. And the first, second, third, fourth time you do those things, they take mental effort. And in business, they say you try and get from that thinking that takes effort, I'm going to put it in really simple terms, the thinking that takes effort to it becoming second nature or the thinking that doesn't take any effort at all. That's where we try and get when we're trying to get to positive thinking in business. Now, when we're thinking spiritually, it's the same kind of thing. If you think negatively, you find it's easier to think negatively. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you've experienced well, that, yeah, Jason. I have, and, and the more you think negatively, the the you know you can get into a cycle of negative thinking, and it just gets worse and worse. And you need something to short circuit that and uh, start to think positive thoughts, so that you can get yeah, out yeah. of that. That's right. Break yeah. the chain of thinking, you know, or start thinking in a different way. Mm. And then, as you um, take time to to really put some effort into thinking positively you find it becomes easier and easier and easier to think positively. And that's because of that neural connections in your brain are being strengthened. Mm. So this is an important factor where he is leading me in paths of righteousness. He has gone before. Others have gone before us. So it's not like we're Robinson Crusoe when it comes to thinking the right way. And God will give us the power to repeat those actions, to strengthen that thinking, the right thinking, not the wrong kind of thinking, that leads us to do all kinds of things, but we keep repeating those positive thoughts, those positive actions, as Philippians 4.8 talks about, and our mind is set on the same kinds of things that Jesus wants us to do. We repeat them over and over. Yeah, it's... it's it's how uh, we learn, isn't it? Like um, just from primary school, when you learn your maths and you learn your times tables, it's it's a process of repetition, of saying it over and over again until it just becomes automatic in our minds. And and uh, I guess that's what this is, or what you're you're saying here um, with this passage is saying that we need to continue to repeat those those thoughts that are righteous thoughts and um, and keep us on the right path. Yeah, you're right, Jason. And, and perhaps part of the distraction of media, and I'm not just talking about news media, I'm talking all kinds of media, is the focus. You know, the focus, we're always drawn, and I don't know necessarily, perhaps it's because we're, you know, we're sinful people, we, we tend to be drawn to the bad. Mm. And, and, and the more we're drawn to that bad, the more we repeat it, the more we make it important in our lives, the worse things seem to be. But, you know, when you go out into the bush and have a little country walk or a bit of a hike, you realise there's still so many beautiful things in the world today, so many things to see and do and to, to point you to a creator God. You know, we touched on that in a previous week as well. God is a creator God. He made all this environment beautiful for us, and there's still some really beautiful things for us to see. But as we see our world spiralling out of control as never before, it's easy to get drawn into that negative thinking. Yeah, absolutely. It is so easy, and and it's, as you said, media is a huge thing. And, you know, when there's some negative event happening on the news, it gets repeated over and over and over again, and sometimes you just want to turn it off, don't you? Mm, yes. 
Well, we're going to go to another break. Um, just remember, our offer today is the book, Planet Still in Rebellion, and uh, 0488880891 is the number that uh, you can text the code in, which we'll give you a bit later in the program. And, uh, yeah, after the break, we'll just give you a bit more information about the book as well. But let's have a listen to this song, Lord, I Need You by Sam Cox. I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need Song's talking pretty much about what we are discussing today that uh, God is our righteousness and our defense. So, yeah, that was Sam Cox, Lord, I Need You. 
Now, we promised that we'd give you some more information about the book, Planet Still in Rebellion. It's written by George Vanderman, and uh, this is the description of the book. It says, Today's events seem to be spiralling out of control as never before. The evening news often presents a picture of a confused world filled with mindless violence. Is there any way to make sense of the bewildering chaos? Today, as never before, we need a sure word. We need the promise of the Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So that's uh, very much in line with what we've been talking about in terms of we need positive things in our mind. We need positive reinforcement and uh, the promises of the Bible. You know, God gives us so many promises, David. Yeah, um, you're right, Jason. In the Bible that I, I know for me, when I've faced hard times, it has been those promises that I've had to repeat in my mind that's kept me going, you know, and kept mm. me going through the some of the darkest times of my life, which... Um, you know, it's it's amazing how those those words, those words of affirmation, those words of promise, keep us going. They they give us strength to 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 keep going and go through. Yeah, you're right, Jason. And and George Vanderman presents it really, really well in this book. I, I was referring back to that as I used a quote from that description earlier. Yeah, we awesome. need to have those things that help us to find a direction out of this mess. And it's one that you really want to get a hold of this book and have a read. It's a small book. Yeah. So so as we continue with this verse, we see it's a path, a way, or a course of action of righteousness. And the Hebrew here for righteousness is tzedek. It's a hard word to say. Tzedek. But it, yeah, but it uh, it's like a T-S or a Z at the beginning of it. Um, and it means a correct, right, honest, truth, justice, um, well-being or salvation. It means it's a right path, not just any path. And it's one that provides objective truth. And the difference between subjective truth and objective truth is, uh, let, let me use an example of, let's say, an orange. Now, I might say the orange is round. Now, that's a subjective truth because it might not be perfectly cylindrical or perfectly round. It might not be perfectly round. Yeah. But my view of it is... As far as I'm concerned, it's not a box. Mm. It's round. But I can say the orange is orange. That's an objective truth. Mm. The, it, regardless of what I think of the orange, it's orange. Unless you know, the orange is difference. not ripe and then it's green. <laughs> well, that's true. But, I mean, an orange orange is orange. It is. That's why it's called that, I suppose. I'm sorry to be uh, <clears throat> the uh, devil's advocate here. That's all right. That's all right. We need some of that. So there's the difference between objective and subjective truth. So we need things that, that give us objective truth, things that are true regardless of what's happening around. Um, an illustration to this was uh, in 2018 in Northern Territory, there was a news report uh, about, you. some of you may remember this, uh, the former New, New Te- Northern Territory Police Commissioner, John McRoberts, he was found guilty of perverting the course of justice. Um, he was he, he wanted to prevent his then lover from being exposed from fraud and he concealed his relationship with her. Now, the relationship, although not what I would recommend, it, it wasn't illegal, but perverting the course of justice is illegal and mm. that's what he was sentenced for. He actually went to jail, mm. which, which is quite sad. 
But even in our sick and broken world, people seek justice, and, and justice means fairness, um, objectivity, and a lack of bias. And it's really hard to find today, isn't it, Jason? It is, yeah. There's there's so much in in today's world. It's everything is relative. There's no absolutes, and you know, in in many people's circles, you know, it's it's hard to find truth. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. We we rarely see the real justice in our world. You know, we see yeah. people who should be in jail out of jail, people who shouldn't be in jail in jail. You know, and there's this. There's this lack of real justice in mm. our world, and some people see it, but not everyone. You yeah. know, and, but God is the source of real or objective truth. Regardless of what I think of Him, I can trust that what He says is right because <laughs> that's who God is. He's fair. He's objective. He lacks bias, and that's very, very important. And He has the ultimate good of the entire universe in mind, not just me. So our good shepherd leads us along courses in our lives or paths in our lives that mould our characters to be more objectively just and fair in line with his kingdom. So um, I'm just thinking there if, you know, I guess if we don't follow that path, then we're going to be led into... uh, non-truths we're going to be led along a path which is going to be full of all sorts of partial truths or non-truths or whatever but it's saying here that god actually leads us into the path of truth yes yes and it's interesting as it continues on in that it it doesn't say although the bible elsewhere does say you know he wants my best he wants my good this particular verse says he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake mm. for his name's sake this is this is really interesting because if i expand on what it means by his sake it, it, it's it's so that in order to with reference to or on account of his name that means that our transformation is not just for our own good i want to i want to emphasize that because it is for our good and that's part of it but our transfer, our transformation from the kind of person I was, let's say, 30 years ago to the person I am today actually shows that God is who he says he is. It says he's a God of love. He's relational. He's selfless. He wants better for his creation. As others see our sinful lives being transformed and the type of person I become, becomes less selfish, more selfless, they're led to acknowledge, if if I acknowledge that God's the one doing that, they're led to acknowledge that God is a caring God. Mm. And and to me, that's really, really important. You know, last week I talked about, uh, or I made reference to evolutionary reasoning. Um, one of the examples I've seen that oppose evolutionary thinking was a story that happened in Perth when we were there many years ago. There was a lady who was on the platform, one platform away from the central station, and the platform had a slight camber on it down towards the rails. Perhaps that was so the rain would run off that way, I don't know. But she had a pram, and she turned for a minute to do something in her bag, and she didn't have the brakes on the pram. Mm. The pram began to roll, and it rolled rolled right off the platform with the child in it. Onto the tracks. And down onto the tracks. Now, the train was coming, 
and a complete stranger saw the, the, the dilemma that was happening, knew the child was in mortal danger, jumps off the platform, grabs the, uh, the pram, throws it back up onto the platform and then jumps out of the way of the train as the train is screeching to try and stop. Mm. The child was saved and only had a few bruises from falling like that and it, mm. was, it was a miracle. But the, the thing I'm trying to get across here is what... What makes people do things like that? This guy didn't know that woman at all. And if we really have a, a evolutionary or survival of the fittest thinking, if that's where we come from, what prompts other people to risk their own lives for the sake of someone else unless there is something more guiding our morality or our, our, our living, our direction, yeah. our thinking? I believe that even those who don't acknowledge God still, uh, you know, we still, all every one of us, every human being is created in the image of God, whether we acknowledge that or not. And I think, you know, that's the sort of thing where the the sense of morality, the sense of right and, and saving, you know, this, this child uh, is built into us. You know, it's mm. designed into us by yes. God. Yes. Mm. So as people talk about this evolutionary reasoning, reasoning, survival of the fittest, it seems somewhere along the line, I think we've been sold a lie again. Mm. You know, somebody's not telling us the objective truth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are just about needing to go to another break. And uh, remember, just after the break, we will give you the code for this book, Planet Still in Rebellion. Uh, 0488880891 is the number you can text in on, 0488880891. We're going to have a listen to this uh, beautiful song, Noema Moore. This is a friend of David Leo's who does our Monday program, and it's a really beautiful song. It's called He Can. Mm.
Welcome back. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're talking about Psalm 23 with David Maxwell. Now, before the break, I did promise you the code for today's offer, which is the book Planet Still in Rebellion by George Vanderman. And the code is amazing and the number four, amazing number four. If you text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, we will get that book out to you as soon as possible. Now, David, before the break, we were talking about that amazing story about uh, you know why why did this stranger rescue this child, and uh, we we then uh, we're talking about how this evolutionary perspective really uh, doesn't explain why we have this built-in sense of morality. In other words, what mm. you were saying was that it seems as though the evolutionary perspective doesn't really stack up. It's not uh, It's not really holding truth. Yeah, you're right. You know, we, we commonly hear many, many things that uh, don't come from God, uh, that come from somebody opposing God. We've found out in the past that this is Satan, that, that fallen angel from heaven, and, and he, he tries to convince people that, we're we're on the wrong path if we're following God. He says that God's ways aren't the best. There are other ways. There are many ways. Uh, you know, do what you like. That kind of thinking. And we sometimes see other people who've taken those other paths, and they seem to have gotten through okay. Uh, and so there, we're convinced to follow them. We also have this idea of relative truth that I touched on earlier. You know, your idea is as good as anyone. Everyone's right. No one's wrong. It's all relative. It's all relative. And and look, don't get me wrong. We've got to value people. We have to value people. It's very important. God values people. Mm. And everyone is different. And Mm. so we have to value people's differences. Mm. But the idea that everyone is right... Well, that's a relative truth. And, you know, at the end of the day, God is the one that's right. Mm. And we've got to be careful how we interpret what God says so that we don't get it wrong. So you've got to be quite honest and genuine as you study the Bible and you you want to um, show God's truths to be what they are. Yeah. Be careful that we're not representing him incorrectly. And then there's the wrong focus. You know, Satan tells people that God is selfish selfish and self-absorbed. You can lift yourself up. All he wants is your adoration and nothing else, you know, and he's, he's a selfish God. That's, that's what people hear. But that's not what God is like at all. You know, God is loving as we've been understanding that he wants the best for us. He provides the best for us. He guides us in the best way. And Satan doesn't really care, you know, if we go in the path of rebellion. He doesn't care how we get onto that path. He doesn't care if it's a path of busyness, so doing too much is what I mean, or a path of perfection where I can do it all myself. You know, like I said before, you can lift yourself up. You can be like God. That's what he says to, to Adam and Eve in the garden. He doesn't care if you take that path. He, he doesn't care if you try and do it on your own because those people who try and do things on their own without God and try and do good things, it leads to a path of self-exaltation and pride. That's really where it ends up. You know, I'm better than you. And there's been so many wrongs that have been uh, perpetrated down through history by people who think I'm right, you're wrong, 
and so best we get rid of you. Mm. Uh, terrible things have happened, and, yeah. and there's so much that even Christian church has to answer for because of that. Yeah. Satan doesn't really care what path you take as long as it's not the path of righteousness, right thinking, godly thinking. Mm. Because that thinking must lead us to Jesus. Because as we search for that ultimate, that objective truth and lift him up, it takes us away from our own selfish thinking. It's that that sense of um, pride, that sense of self-righteousness that causes so much damage, isn't it? And uh, Mm, it seems as though... um, David's outlining here a, a different way and uh, you know a mm. way that God is saying that we need to acknowledge him in our walk God is the one who leads us not ourselves being the one who are uh, I, I guess so many um, so much thought in today's society is about self-perfection you know I'm going to perfect everything you know whereas really uh, God mm. teaches us that it's Christ who perfects us not us yeah, that's right, Jason. And as we lift ourselves up, as we as we say, look, I'm I'm very good. You know, I don't do this or I don't do that. And you do. It makes others feel bad. And by many people do it even subconsciously, by making themselves feel like by making others feel worse, um, they feel better in some way. They feel like oh, I'm more important. Mm. And, and that's not the way God is. He doesn't want us to be like that. Yeah. You know, as we look at Psalms 23 and we review these three verses, you know, in verse 1, we we have the example that as we give up on the world uh, and we come to Christ, our good shepherd provides all that we need and we won't lack any good thing. You know, that's what we looked at. Mm. Beginning of verse 2, we said, he gives us rest from the things that entrapped us before our spiritual journey. And he gives us spiritual rest when we're weary with our struggle from sin. The second half of the verse 2, it says that our good shepherd creates times of peace and safety along the way. Uh, he goes as far as making those times of peace available to us when often we just fill our lives with so much busyness that we haven't got time for him. Mm. So he, he sometimes allows things to happen in our lives that, will put us in a place, as I talked about with my uncle, will put us in a place where we can really connect with him. That's how much he wants to save us. And I think that's fascinating to think about. <clears throat> verse, The beginning of verse 3, um, he talks about how he completely restores us gradually as we walk with him, as we spend time with God, as we read his word. He he slowly changes us to the to be the kind of people he wants us to be, and then in the second half of this verse, verse chapter uh, verse three here in chapter twenty three, we can be confident that our good shepherd not only leads us in any path through any course of action, but these these paths or, or ways that I live leads us to righteousness, as in right living. That's mm. really what righteousness means mm. and leads others to acknowledge God as the one that's done it. Um, you know, next time we look at this chapter, we're going to look at um, how all this knowledge about our good shepherd helps us as we face one of life's biggest challenges, and that's death. And I, I really encourage you to tune in next week because every one of us will face this challenge, either 
either in our own death as that comes closer and closer or for those who are around us who who pass on before us and many of you will have already experienced this and it's it's a very hard challenge to face in life probably more so when you're facing it with someone else and they're going through this Mm. Um, so look please do tune in next week is very very important so jesus has gone before us is what we've learned today and he's lived a righteous life so he's aptly qualified to lead us in paths that lead to our righteousness for his name to be glorified remember we said as we draw closer to him and become more like him people look to us and then they say only god could have done that and yeah. god's end you know god's glorified in the end he draws us and then he accepts us well he accepts us then he draws us actually <laughs> and he changes and transforms our mind as it says in romans 12 too. you know which path are you following today i've been on the path of rebellion workaholism perfectionism and many other isms and none of those paths actually lead to a deep and fulfilling relationship with jesus our good shepherd i found that the only way we can get on the right path is by coming to jesus every day he puts our feet once more back on the path he corrects our thinking and behaviors and he just leads us on to righteousness what path will you follow today would you with me Pledge to allow yourself to become and be led by the Good Shepherd so he can lead you daily on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's, uh, that's a great study today, David, and I've, I've really learned something. And just those last four words, for his name's sake, you know, mm-hmm. they're so easy to dismiss, but I've learned that they actually really mean something today. Um, because that helps us not to become self-righteous, but to become um, righteous by following Him and mm. accepting His righteousness. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's uh, it's. I've learnt a good lesson today. So, thank you for that. No now, um, just as we wrap up, I'll remind our listeners of the code again: amazing and the number four, no spaces. Amazing four. You can text in to 0488880891 for that book titled Planet Still in Rebellion. Now, um, for next week, uh, we've got uh, David Maxwell on Amazing Love, and he's going to be presenting the topic, He Comforts Me. He talked about that a little bit earlier, or he gave some allusion to that a little bit earlier. And uh, we look forward to that. And, of course, on Monday, David Leo, with his series Encounters with Jesus, he's going to be talking about uh, the five loaves and two fish in John chapter 6. Now, um, I'm going to play this extra song that I had. It's called Which Way You Choose. I think it's very uh, applicable. As we go out, which way will you choose? And this is by the Forbes family. We look forward to uh, you joining us tomorrow, oh sorry, Monday, and also next Friday. Take care. As the world becomes entwined in the lies from Satan's mind, a leader will arise to take the reins. Saying love will bring us peace if you put your hope in me. Renounce the name of Jesus or be slain. Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? You got everything to gain. You got.
You've got everything to gain. You've got everything to 